0: Everyone tells me that Facebook is free, but if you're doing it yourself, if you're a solopreneur like the people listening, and you're doing this yourself, it's taking your time to do it, which hopefully you don't see as some infinite free resource because it's not.
1: You're listening to Nicole Wallet, founder of Breaking Even Communications. After helping more than 500 clients create more than 600 websites, Nicole has found marketing via social channels can dramatically speed up your success but you must do it right to avoid wasting untold hours and dollars. And you're about to hear some key insights into how to grow your business faster via social marketing right now, because Nicole is today's guest on Solopreneur Success.
2: Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Nicole Wallette,
1: owner of Break Even Communications. Nicole's a web specialist. She's created more than 500 websites for over 600 clients in the past dozen years or so, Yet she also has a particular strength in what we're going to talk about today, and that's Facebook and Instagram ads. Because let's face it, SEO is a long game and it can be very effective, but advertising can dramatically speed up your growth, or at least it can, or it can be a money pit. So Nicole's going to kind of share with us today how to make sure your social advertising is working effectively for you. So Nicole, welcome to our show today.
0: Thanks, Steve, for having me. I
1: appreciate it. I'm really happy to have you here. This is a a topic I'm personally interested in, and I know you specialize in creating websites, but also getting leads through social advertising, and that includes Facebook and Instagram and other places. I'd love to hear kind of how you got into the web development side of things. I, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Well, what happened was I was working... I've always been interested in being a writer. That's what I always wanted to be when I was a kid, and people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. It was to be a writer and what i realized pretty quickly on is that it's hard to be a writer and that most people do other things besides writing. So i understood in working with some friends that if i just learned a little bit of code to go with my writing, i could sell people, i could blog for people, i could actually just take this content and post it onto a website and that made it kind of a little bit more valuable and a little bit more niche and this is like 13 years ago so I feel like now blogging has obviously gotten a little bit easier in terms of technically being able to post things. There's a little bit less code and things you have to know. But in doing this kind of work, the other thing I realized is that I really... The marketing is what I love. But the problem is, if I'm marketing an ineffective website or a website that doesn't even have a way for someone to you know either buy something or to be able to engage with the person, that I could be the best marketer on earth and you know be driving people to this website that wasn't really doing anything it's kind of like you know going through the effort of throwing you know telling everyone how great your party is going to be and 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 all that and then not cleaning your house and just people walk in and you kind of look at them and say oh oh hey come on in i guess you know that <laughs> that feeling so the only reason i got really into kind of doing the web development was so that i had a little bit more control over over that product so but my main avenue, honestly, for revenue generation is is mainly marketing. That's, but the website stuff just kind of comes into play when you want to convert people. So,
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I've never heard it described exactly that way. I, I like that a lot, though, because it really is that way. It's like, hey, here's your party invite. You've got the special invite. I'm looking forward to going over and having the birthday party or the celebration or whatever it is. You walk in the house and and it's like, why may I just turn back around and walk back out? Yeah, there's no decorating.
0: (laughs) Everyone's sitting on the couch watching TV and kind of looks up at you, kind of mid-popcorn eating. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, and a bad website can feel that way. So we don't want people to feel unwelcome at your party.
1: Exactly. So you know that that's very important, but you also are a specialist in the social media side of things. What drew you into like Facebook and Instagram? Because back in, you know, 13 years ago, Facebook was barely a thing. I and mean, it was a thing, but barely at that point. What, yeah. what brought you down that path?
0: Well, I decided I'd started a blog because I was in a position where I had been submitting articles to a publication. And they kept saying that they liked the idea. And so I would write it up and send it in. And about the fifth time this happened and it didn't run, I finally asked the editor, so what's going on? And he said, well, I don't think you're a good enough writer. And so in that moment, I had a decision to make. I could have listened to this middle-aged man tell me I wasn't good at it. Or I could just decide to do my own thing. So I went home that day and I set up a website and I just thought, watch this. And so I started just writing. And for a while, my blog was a daily thing. And so blogging, if people are just getting into blogging now, you will love that. 13 years ago, we had these crazy ways of trying to drive traffic. Steve, I don't know if you... Did you ever be... Were you ever in a blog carnival?
1: Do you know what I I'm talking saw about? I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't participate in them, even though I've been okay. a writer for 13 years myself. Right. I never participated in that, but I've seen them.
0: So you would do, so for the people listening who maybe aren't weren't weirdly into blogging 13 years ago, there was no social media. So to get people to go to your website, you would find other people in your niche. So if you were blogging about cooking or personal finance or whatever, you would find other people and you would all kind of blog on the same topic and link to each other. So- I'd say, all right, so I don't know if we have a cooking blog, like we're all going to cook with potatoes, you know, in this blog carnival, we're going to all post our favorite potato recipe. And so let's say there was 20 of us participating. We all kind of send each other, okay, here's my link to my recipe or whatever. And then we would all agree to sort of post, okay, here's everybody's potato recipe in this blog carnival. So we would do really crazy stuff like that. And so when social media came on the scene, we were all like, fantastic. This is way easier than what we were doing before. And obviously it still works in terms of you are working with other people who have business pages, you are working with colleagues, but it's a bit different in that you're kind of building your own platform a little bit easier because you can just share your stuff and maybe not this other person's potato recipe that you didn't particularly like the idea of. So so when social media came on the scene, I got really excited as a way for it to drive blog traffic. Because I was blog said for three years, I think, or four years of that, I was that was daily. I think I had fifteen hundred blog posts on my website. So enjoy those archives if you really want to. But, (laughs) but point being is, in doing it, I've definitely become a better writer in all that practice. But also, it gave me a way to kind of put things out there and get immediate feedback. So to me, the social media stuff fed the blog in terms of for me. But then, as I started kind of doing it for my blog, people would ask me, "Hey, Nicole, can you help me?" use Facebook to help whatever. And I remember the first person who asked me that, it was a local coffee shop owner. She said, hey, I have a blog and I want to do more with my Facebook page. Could you help me with that? And I said, you would pay me to do that? And she said, yeah. And I, that's when the light bulb went off. And I thought, oh, maybe I can do this because I really like this. I mean, I like the writing part, but I also like the idea of more people reading the writing because let's face it, if you write a piece, you know, you write a blog post and whether 100 people read it or 100,000 people read it, you put in that effort already. So getting more people to read it is better. Yes, if you're monetizing, it's better because you make more money, but also you get a lot of feedback. I mean, I had people who were leaving comments, whether it's on social media, on a Facebook post or on the blog itself. I was getting emails from people. And so it's just this really lovely, immediate way to get feedback from your writing to just like put it out there. So to me, the social media fed the blog. And then after that, I just really got into helping small business owners get in front of more people with the same tools. Because let's face it, it's hard out there to run a business. And I come from a small business family myself. And the fact that there was all these avenues that were open to people and they were cost-effective and they were targeted was something that really spoke to me and I really wanted to help people
1: with. So, Yeah. And it's not just blog posts either. You also have... These days, you have audio and you can share your podcast episode or you can share a video that you put up on YouTube or Vimeo. There's so many opportunities to share content, infographics, just a wealth of opportunity that wasn't even really around to speak of anyways, you know, 13 years ago. And so it's just, some, I also remember back in the day, there used to be, you know, maybe it's still around, I haven't looked lately. used to be like raffle copter and you'd like get points to like sharing this link and, you know, get. there may be other opportunities like that too still today. And maybe that's even still around and we'll, we'll probably get into that in a little bit. Yeah. But there are ways to get people to share your content. So more people get eyeballs on it. But mm-hmm. the first thing is getting that first person's eyeballs on your content. Let's say you're a brand new business and you've said, I need to get in front of people. Mm-hmm. How effective is social media in your eyes for, for doing that?
0: I think it's pretty good. I mean, we all have some kind of friendships in the real world. I mean, maybe a little bit less these days with, uh, with the global pandemic, but we all have a bit of a base to work from in terms of our friends and our family that we're connected with in some way, whether it's a social media or whether it's just an email thread or a text chain that you guys are, you know, that everyone's kind of sharing on. So there is that base there, but this is where kind of ads can come into play because it gives people a way to know what you're up to, who maybe don't know to look for you. So to me, like I said, ads are, ads are a tool. They're not the only tool in the toolbox. They're just, they're one of the great tools in the toolbox, but in a brand new business, like I said, using existing connections is great, but ads are also great too. And and just putting stuff out there at first, knowing that not everybody is gonna see it. There's an interesting little meme and it's someone standing on a stage and there's like one person in the audience and it says how I felt on my first live stream. And it's at first, when you first do these things, probably even when you were first starting this podcast, you would put stuff out there and it's a little bit discouraging at first because there's just a few people that are seeing it. But what you realize is that it takes time to kind of build that momentum. And what happens is someone listens to your 20th podcast episode and they say, oh, this guy's great. And they like go back and they look at your other stuff. So I have blog posts that are seven, eight, 10 years old that still get hundreds of views every month and it blows my mind. So something about having the faith to put stuff out there, even though not everybody is really seeing it yet, I think is also really important with social media or anything kind of business related, really.
1: Yeah, I totally agree and you'll see here's an example you might get just a podcast episode or a blog post and it gets a lot of traction and you're i had this happen with one of my past guests and it blew up my website in like four times the listens of my previous most listened to episode and of course many of those listeners will go on to listen you'll see a relative bump in all of your other content and that's the wonder of of the viral content kind of thing and it wasn't even really a viral content it was just happened to be a really good uh, hit because they the person shared on their social media what mm-hmm. they did with me with the podcast which was a wonderful episode and and so that grew the audience significantly but that's something you can take as a strategy and work again and again and again it's not like one time and, and you're done and you just hope for that, mm-hmm. that one wild hair that comes out and it's like oh i guess i got some traffic now because it goes it comes and goes but if you have a consistent approach you're going to be more effective. So.
0: Right, and he there's something about one having those ways. yeah, and there's something about having that confidence when you only have 20 people that like your your brand new Facebook page to go on and do a live video every week. There's there's a certain amount of self confidence it takes to just keep doing it for a while and knowing that yeah, your one or two friends are watching and that's it for the first maybe month or so until people get used to your schedule, until people understand what you're about, and then maybe they go back and they listen to your other stuff. But you have to. Kind of act, not act like you're already there, but you have to produce things and put yourself out there. Maybe before you feel like the audience is there with you, which is kind of weird.
1: It is. It can feel weird, but here's a great thing about it: if you're just starting out, do it anyways. Because what happens is you're growing as you do it. Kind of like your story about you know, you wrote for this other person and said, "Well, do you know how to write?" I mean, I don't think you know how to write. Well, you can disagree, but you prove it by doing it, and you mm-hmm. do grow in your skill set just by repetition and and not practice doesn't make perfect practice makes perfect in other words you are constantly striving to grow your skill set and by doing it the the actions on a regular basis you will increase your abilities and your skills and social media is just one area of building your skill set within it's like it's an environment you can build your writing skill set in it's an environment you can build your videos in. it's an environment you can build your your ability to write good headlines your advertising and whatever that is
0: And what I like about it too, is you're, it's the immediate feedback part. And when I think about being a writer now, and I had someone a few years ago ask me, so if you could just stop all this and put yourself in a cabin and write a book. And I said, that sounds miserable to me because what I like getting the other ideas, I like it being a living document. There's certain kinds of blog posts that I revise, maybe not every single year, but that I revise often. I'll I'll write in, I'll be like, Hey, I wrote this a while back. There was some great discussion obviously it's tech. So things have changed the last two years. So let me rewrite this and re-examine it. I think it's like, to me, the feedback part of it is really great too about social media, because it's not like someone's going to go to your website and go to your contact form and say, Hey, I really liked, but they might say it on a social media post, which is nice to hear.
1: Yeah. And of course we are talking kind of about advertising today. So Mm -hmm. talk about How does social media posting differ from social media advertising? Besides obviously paying money for getting your post out there.
0: Right. So to me, most of the time, you're going to not be paying someone to look at your message in general. And by, I should say this, I should add this caveat, is that everyone tells me that Facebook is free, but if you're doing it yourself, if you're a solopreneur, like the people listening, and you're doing this yourself, it's taking your time to do it, which hopefully you don't see as some infinite free resource because it's not. Or you're paying someone else to do it like me. So even though it's technically like, I would say it's low cost, I would say it's highly targeted, but maybe it's not entirely free. But if you post an update, what Facebook is going to do is it's going to show it to between 2 and 3% of your audience. So if you have a thousand people on your page, you post something, it's going to show it to 20 to 30 people. And based on how those people react it will show it to more people or it won't. Because what Facebook is trying to do for me and for you and for every individual that is logged in is it's trying to give us what it thinks is the most relevant content. I'm paraphrasing this. I think Mark Zuckerberg once said something like, a squirrel in a tree next door might be more relevant to you than a war in another country. Or it, It was something kind of awful like that. But I think that is the idea, right? Is it's trying to personalize the experience for you. So if you're following different business pages, it's not going to show you everything from every business that you follow. So it's trying to show you the things that seem exciting. And the things that seem exciting are the things that people like or comment on or share. That's why whenever someone gets a puppy or gets engaged, you always see it because a few people see it, they react. Oh, congratulations, whatever. And then it shows it to a few more people, a few more people. So when you post, you just have to understand that 20... If you have a thousand people that like your Facebook page, 20 or 30 people are going to see it. So as long as you go in with that expectation, great. Now it could blow up. It could be that excellent podcast interview you had and and get all kinds of traction for whatever reason. And, And I'm not saying that that won't happen sometimes because it will. But other times you just have to be okay with the fact that, okay, I posted this and only 20 or 30 people saw it. So maybe I need to post it again. And I will say on Facebook, and I'm sure that maybe marketing people are listening to this and like, you know, there was a gasp horror as I said, that you repost stuff on Facebook. I do it a lot because what I think is that the odds are that if I repost the same content, that the same 20 or 30 people are going to see it again are slim to none. And the odds that even if there was a little bit of overlap, maybe if two of them saw the post for a second time, the odds that they're going to remember that they saw it because they're each person is getting thousands of other marketing messages every day. And also they have other things in their life that they need to take care of. So the odds that they're going to even remember it are slim to none anyway. So the big companies do it. You can do it too. Repeat stuff. It's totally fine. Knowing that, like I said, in an organic post, Facebook is going to show it to 2 to 3% of your audience. So how do you shortcut that? So there are one of two ways. One is you can create an amazing piece of content that everyone just loves. And I have clients who will say things like, oh, I spent an hour like, making this amazing Facebook post. It was, you know, people really liked it and it was authentic and I made this beautiful graphic. And then they look at me and they say, I don't know if I could keep doing that. And the reality is that none of us can keep doing that. That is a lot of effort. If we could all just sit and create these bespoke social media posts all day, I'm sure that a lot of us would love to do that. But we have other things that we need to do in terms of running our business. So, so one way, like I said, to do it is to be inherently super interesting all the time. And the other way to do it is to take out an ad and so sometimes spending a little money is easier so so that's to me ads are like I said they're a tool and they're a way to get more kind of bang for your buck more bandwidth to take the thing that you're want people to see and make it a little bit more powerful is to put a little bit of spend behind it so so yeah so like I said if you understand that organic posts are just gonna be sort of limited and that you're gonna have to repeat them and whatever but that you're gonna maybe use ads as a special little tool in your tool belt, then, then that should be good. But the thing that I think, and the other thing with ads in particular too, and something I've noticed, and probably if you've done this before, you've noticed too, is that Facebook right now and Instagram are making video ads really cheap. If you notice the, the quote-unquote new Facebook, I've had the new Facebook for a while, so I don't know when it switched over for everybody else. I just accept changes right away and just decide to start living with them so I can figure them out. But there's a whole tab now on Facebook that is just video when you look at it on a computer, right? And when you take out an ad, and I've done this a few times as an experiment, I take out a content ad, like just with a photo or something like that, and I'll take out the same kind of content, but in video format, and it'll be less than half the price to reach the same amount of people. So video, yeah,
1: video. Interesting. So you can advertise video directly and that's cheaper than a regular post.
0: Yeah, it's been for me and I've read with other people in my line of work that it's cheaper. And the other thing that's interesting that you can do afterward is when you take out the video ad, if you think about it, someone's going to watch the video if they're kind of interested, right? So what you can do afterward is you can make an an audience of people who have watched 50% or more of your video ad. Thinking that you know, if they watched 30 seconds of a 60 second ad that they're at least a little bit interested, right? Or else they would have just scrolled by or they would have Stopped playing it at some point. Right. So, whenever I do talk about ads in a group of people, I always ask them, How many of you watched a video? And even if it's 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. in the morning, at least half the room will raise their hand. Like they've seen a video that day already. And I say, How many of you have made a video in the last six months? And maybe two people in the. So, all the hands kind of shoot down because we all like watching videos, but none of us like to be on video. Most people I know don't feel like. They are an inherent movie star. And also, you know, you've, you've got to put some effort, obviously, into video. So it's not something that a lot of people do, but it's something a lot of people like to watch. So
1: yeah, sort so of I'm a supply and demand issue. I got to flip in here because I've done yeah. some Facebook advertising, but never with video. And I didn't even realize that you could track the amount of time that somebody watched a video. Is that something that Facebook offers as part of their statistics or? Is that because you're running on a third-party server? How's that working as far as how much you watch to create a segment?
0: Right. So if I could tell, if you're listening to this and you are going to take one thing away from this, don't press the boost post button. I know it seems really easy because it's blue and it's right there. And all you have to do is click on it and say, spend $5 and two to 4,000 more people are going to see it. And then you just put your credit card information in or it's already saved there because you did it last time. And then you just press done and you feel like you did something. But you might as well just take that money. Actually, you know what? Take out your video camera or your, or your phone. Take that 5 or $10 you were going to spend. Take out a lighter, film yourself and just burn it and talk about the thing you were going to talk about and post that video. And that's going to do, I think, better than your boost post is, is going to do in terms of getting you more traction. But what you want to do instead of boosting posts, and I get it, it's easy. They've made it easy. But what you want to do instead is set up Facebook Business Manager. So if you go to business.facebook.com, you're going to log in with your usual Facebook account you log in to. And it's going to say, oh, hey, I noticed you've got a business page. Do you want to put it in Business Manager? And you're going to say, yeah. And anyway, once your business page is in Business Manager, I know that there's a lot of kind of reporting that's available to you. So when you take out a video, Ad, and this might also be with regular Facebook. I just haven't used non business manager Facebook in a while. I can actually see when I take out a video ad, how many people watch 25% of it, 50% of it, 75% of it, or 100% of it. I can see the kind of drop off. And if I want, like I said, I can kind of make an audience based on people who have watched a certain percentage of the video and I can save that. So that's a business manager type feature. Yeah, Um, that's really And there's some other, yeah, there's other great stuff back there too. Like it's a whole, um, it feels a little bit technical when you first get into it, but once you get used to it and you see how powerful it is and how you can kind of iterate toward cheaper and cheaper ads that convert better over time, it's worth the learning curve, at least to me, if you're going to manage your own Facebook ads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't even aware that was a feature that was available in Facebook, so that's awesome to me to learn. And yep. it's very similar to segmenting your email list. For example, if you if you send out an email that's on a certain topic, for example, and somebody clicks through to your offer or the more information about what your topic is, you can tag that person and you're creating a segment or a group of people who have a similar interest. And, and what Nicole's talking about is very similar. You're, you're finding the people who have an interest enough to continue watching your video on whatever that topic is. And it may be because the topic's interesting, maybe because you had a good approach or an interesting approach, but yeah. you can test that. And anything you can test is always good. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of direct response advertising, not avenue brand style advertising there may be a place for that, but for solopreneurs you're going to be far more effectively spending your money if you will invest into things that you can actually track what's the effectiveness and that's one mm-hmm. thing I like about social media advertising too I don't do it a lot, but I do it occasionally and I find that one one aspect of social media advertising that you get is you get feedback on how is it working what is your impressions and how you'll see your ad what is your actual clicks or what, what are you tracking? What are you measuring? And if they click from there to your website, you can use Google Analytics or something to say, okay, what's actually happening when they get to my website? Are they coming here and they're just jumping off the page? Your bounce rate is like super high, which means they come to see the page, they disappear. They leave the page and they don't buy anything or do anything else. That means that there's maybe that ugly party website, like we we're talking about at the beginning of this <laughs> interview. What is it that's you know, what's happening? What what point are you losing them? Or is it working very effectively? And then you can work on tweaking it to increase your conversion rate, to increase your number of signups for leads or number of sales for your your sales rate. That's always going to be effective when you can test. What kind of things do you do you recommend testing? I mean, I, I love what you're sharing about the videos. What else do you recommend testing when it comes to social media advertising? And I want to talk not just about Facebook, Instagram too. I know they're owned by yeah. the same company, but I, I don't know the first thing about Instagram, to be completely honest with you. I, I have an account. I rarely even go on the account to look at anything, much less use it for advertising. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about both. And maybe for you listeners who are not as much into social media, maybe tell a little bit about what the different platforms are more effective for.
0: Sure. So the thing I will say to just piggyback a little bit on what you were saying about, so let's say someone sees whether it's a Facebook post that you just did or whether it's an advertisement that you've created on Facebook or Instagram. You can make with... By the way, Facebook... It's called Facebook Business Manager, but you can also do Instagram stuff back there as well. Like in terms of... You can set up Instagram ads and things like that. So it's a bit of a a misnomer to call it Facebook Business Manager, but that's just what they call it. So, But one thing you can create back there is what's called a remarketing pixel. So a remarketing pixel is something... It's a a little snippet of code and you're going to add it to your website. And what it does is... Okay, you know how... We've all had this happen, right? You're looking at an e-commerce site, or you're looking for, I don't know, a pair of boots. And you look at these boots on a website, and then you're on Facebook later on, and the stupid boots are following you everywhere. It's on the sidebar of the blog that you're reading, and it's in your Facebook ads, and, and you're thinking, what is going on? And what that's called apparently, besides the creepy, is it's called remarketing. So Facebook and Instagram have a remarketing pixel, as does Google, And obviously, Google is a large company. It also encompasses YouTube, for example. So what you can do is you can set up a Facebook remarketing pixel. So if you're taking out Facebook ads and you're trying to get people, like you said, to a sales page, you could take out an ad uh, or you can make a remarketing pixel that tracks... The default is page views. But you can also make what are called events. So you can say, "All right, I'm tracking page views, but I also want to track how many people click on this button, or how many people fill out this form, or how many people get to this... This kind of content. So, you know, you can track a little bit more granularly. So let's say that you sent a bunch of traffic, right, to your signup form. And like you said, people left. You could take out an ad on Facebook if you had a remarketing pixel on your site to people who looked at that page. You could take out a Facebook ad and say, you know, hey, come back or, or, hey, we have a new video about this topic. And if you want to learn more, you know, you can sign up for this program. Like, or here's like a 15 minute preview of the, you know you could try different things you could kind of reengage them so rather than thinking that they're lost to the world and that you've paid a dollar and 20 cents for a click or something or however much you paid for that click you've actually gotten now obviously facebook is not going to tell you who these people are right they're not going to tell you but they're going to tell you like oh this audience size is approximately 500 people people who have looked at this page on the website The one thing you do have to do if you're going to add a remarketing pixel to your website is you need to have a privacy policy that's linked to all of your pages that says basically that you're tracking people. Most people put that in the footer of their website, just a little link in the footer to a... And there's lots of privacy policies out there and you can just kind of take a boilerplate one and sort of customize it. But you got to tell people that they're being tracked and it has to be linked on every page. And Facebook's going to ask you where your privacy policy is when you set up your ad account because they're going to assume you have one because that's part of their terms. And if you do any kind of marketing in European Union, you have to, and you probably have noticed this with news websites in particular, you know how you go to a web page and it says, this website uses cookies and you have to like click accept or no. So in the European Union, they passed a law about GDPR compliance. You can go read about it if you want. But the main thing is that if someone's in Europe and they want to opt out of being tracked, you, they have to, we have to give them an opportunity to opt out and you actually have to stop tracking them. So it's called a cookies notice. And most uh, website software... I think it's called a cookies... It's something like that. If you look up... like If you have a Squarespace website or a Wix website or a WordPress website, just look up cookie plugin WordPress or cookies notice Wix or something. And every basically every website building software has come up with basically something that does this. So if you do have an international audience, you have to have that as part of your stuff as well. But is it worth getting this all set up to have Facebook like you and... Prioritize your ads because you're following the rules and these other people aren't? Absolutely, I think. But anyway, so you can actually track people who've been to your website and remarket to them with Facebook or Instagram, as the case may be. So, you know, there's a lot of tools back there. And in terms of Facebook versus Instagram, they can work really complementary to each other, I think. Not necessarily for every business, but for a lot of businesses. So, With Instagram, for example, I would never repeat anything in terms of... I would never repost a picture unless it was like, a, Oh, a year ago today, I was doing this or something. Isn't that fun? Once in a while, but I'm not going to repeat a lot of content because when someone goes to your Instagram page and they start scrolling through, it's a little bit different than someone going on your Facebook wall and starting to scroll through. There's just... It's harder to notice stuff, I think, in Facebook that's been repeated in a way that it's very easy to notice in Instagram.
1: Right it's uh, more of this picture oriented while Facebook yeah. has a variety of content that, that's a big yeah. difference for those who are not familiar with both platforms.
0: Right, yeah, and if you go to Instagram, it basically looks like a little tile. you know it's kind of some tiled like, little squares essentially of, of everything you've posted, and so it's really easy to kind of go through and see a lot of content pretty quickly and kind of get a read on on a business or a person and with Inst- I will say the the difference so Facebook has the ability like Steve said, you know, you can post lots of different kinds of content and particularly if you post a link, the link is actually clickable. Now, the problem with Instagram is if you put a link in a caption, the link is not clickable. You have a link in your profile that, you know, so most people choose to maybe link to a sales page on their website or maybe a contact form or something like that. And until you have, I think 10,000 or so fans, so you'll notice celebrities like they have a swipe up feature. So if you're watching so they're like, "Oh, swipe up to learn more. And so that creates a link, but you have to have a certain size of audience that many of us probably won't get to for a while to have that feature. So Instagram is a little bit harder to drive traffic. What you can do though, if you do have a consumer product is again, Facebook Business Manager, same whatever, is you can have a product catalog. So you can import, if you use traditional e-commerce software, you can import your entire product catalog into Facebook Business Manager. And, you can ta- and that's how people tag products on Instagram. So if you're looking at a picture of a shirt or a pair of headphones or something, and there's a little dot and you click on it, it'll take you to the website where you can buy it. And that's the only real way to drive tra- direct traffic in Instagram, except keeping telling people to check out the link in the bio or whatever, or getting a lot of fans, which takes a little while. So for me, Instagram is more like it's more awareness. And I've had friends who tell me that you know they're in real estate And like Instagram's great for kind of lifestyle stuff, clothing, real estate, makeup. I'm trying to think, you know, sort of consumer goods, but also kind of, they could be also considered luxury goods. And to me, Facebook is a little bit more, I guess, broad in its aim. But we see that, like I said, with these shifts toward having the video tab and even having the ability, if you do live videos to have a... So you can premiere a live video. So you get a bunch of kind of sort of free advertising about your upcoming live video and then people can can RSVP to it and then they get invited when it starts and and then you do the live video and then it goes on. So to me, Facebook is going more kind of long form video content over time. That's what it seems to want to be anyway. And like I said, there's obviously a lot of overlap between what can be what business that can be on Facebook and Instagram in terms of who's going to do do well there. But yeah, there's definitely a different vibe going on on Facebook versus Instagram. And what I've noticed in my line of work is like Instagram doesn't drive any traffic to my website, but I get inquiries on it. You know, I get people sending me sliding into my DMs asking about work stuff, which is great. And I think that's how it seems to work there versus actually driving traffic. So so yeah, it just kind of depends on your business model and what what your aim is, but yeah, right. Instagram we're here for pretty stuff and Facebook maybe I I want to see what my friends are reading, or maybe I want to you know see pictures of whatever <laughs>
1: yeah two, two thoughts on this by the way Yeah, want to mention yeah, yeah, sure. one you mentioned the long form content, and here's a question about that then I have another question to follow up on it in a slightly different direction. but as far as your long form content, do you find a certain length of video seems to be more effective, or does it matter? it doesn't really
0: matter. I have some friends who have a coffee roasting company, and he goes live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and man, after the live videos, I see orders coming because I'm on their order things. I see the orders coming in after that. You know, and he's just like standing in the coffee roastery and like kind of banging around a little bit. And he's like a fun personality guy. So so yeah, those videos vary in length. But I think sometimes we can get sort of granular about, well, what's the exact right length video? Obviously, shorter videos give you more options. In particular, for taking out ads, you need it 60 seconds or less if you're going to take out a video ad. On Facebook and Instagram, anyway. So, trying to get your message into little bites like that can be can be hard. And then, obviously, if you're going to take that video ad and obviously and maybe put it on YouTube, if you want to make a six or six second or a, or a 15 second bumper ad, you probably have seen those if you've watched a a YouTube video. You know, that you can't really skip them. They, they're short and they play at the beginning, and they're super right. cheap. So if you were going to go through the effort of making a really clever 6 second video there's a couple of different ways you could or it's a 5 15 second video you can use it that way but obviously there's not really a lot of content you can cover in 15 seconds so so if someone's really interested i think they'll watch it no matter how long it is but obviously you want to be mindful of you know just like you edit this podcast you're mindful of the person listening to it and you know you try to pick the most important parts but yeah i don't think long people are, oh, if it's too long, you know, if people are interested, they'll watch it. That's my opinion. And we're seeing more when you watch, when you see the graphs too of cable watching cable TV or network TV versus people watching internet videos, like, you know, one graph is going down at the same rate the other graph is going up. People are consuming their TV time on the internet now. So why not watch your TV show, right?
1: Right. And I was going to say something else also is I, I rarely will even start a video if it's longer than 10 minutes. I won't even take the time because I don't spend a lot of time for that kind of purpose. But it's important to remember that just because you don't doesn't mean your audience doesn't. So don't be afraid to test different things. I'm just curious what your experience mm-hmm. was. And another, yeah. the other side of things I want to talk about also, which I'm not sure if this really follows the same realm as advertising or not, because I've not used them yet myself, but I see a lot of companies are beginning to use chatbots which are Mm -hmm. kind of the messengers going to your direct message in Facebook. And do you use those in your business Mm -hmm. and marketing? How does that work for you?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny. I took a really in-depth chatbot training class about two years ago. And I just, I was like, oh, this is going to be the future. And I kept trying to tell clients about it and they just, they didn't really get it. But now I feel like it's kind of starting to heat up a little bit. So if you read stats in terms of people who are looking for services, 70% of people or something like that will go with the most responsive company. So like if I'm considering like, oh, I want, I need a new deck on my house. I find a few carpenter types that are in my local area. I find their Facebook pages and I I send three of them a message. The person that's going to probably get my business is the person that's going to respond to me. And I think that when I tell that story, you're probably thinking of a time that probably made a decision like that. So what a chatbot allows you to do is Basically, respond to people automatically, at least with their basic questions. And to me, what I tell people is if I remember when I was a kid, there was these like choose your own adventure stories. So oh, yeah, you would you'd have, yeah, right? You start the story, and, and for those of you who don't, you know, you're reading it, and Jimmy comes across the cave. Okay, so you have a choice to make as the reader. If he goes in the cave, you go to page four, and if he decides to walk past the cave, you go to page 20. So it's this like, Basically, you can follow infinite adventures. And so, programming a chatbot, feel, I tell people if you, if you love those stories, you would love programming a chatbot because it feels a lot like that. But what you can do is let's say that you owned a yoga studio and you're like me and you go to bed really early because you like your sleep. If someone messaged, I've been in, someone messaged me at 11 p.m. and says, hey, do you have space in your class at 8 a.m.? And I'm asleep. Like I've lost, I wake up and I potentially lost a customer. Whereas if they say uh, class or I can program it so that if they type in certain words, drop in class daily, I can reply back and say, all of our classes are open to drop-ins. So just show up 10 minutes before or go here to prepay or or whatever. And there's no difference between me as a person typing that in a robot typing it and the person got the information that they needed. So I wouldn't. I'm not necessarily in the camp to automate everything, but I am in the camp of if you get frequent questions, why not program the answers so that people can get them instantaneously? So that's one way to use a chatbot. It's called a keyword trigger. And by the way, these are free. ManyChat.com is a free resource where you can build your own chatbot. You don't need to know like code or anything. It's like I said, the they will kind of they have the format and they'll. It's a easy kind of drag and drop editor interface. And so you can uh, manychat.com, M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T.com. Yeah. So that's free. And the paid version of it, because obviously every software has to get paid for somehow, right? So the paid version of it, if you have an e-commerce site, you can import, like you can have people do purchases within it. If you have an email list and you ask people, like you can ask them for their email address and they can be added automatically to your email list. So that, that's more of the paid features. And I think that starts off at about 10 bucks a month or something like that, depending on how big your audience is. But it doesn't obviously... And the free version does a lot. So you can live with the free version for a while and, and see if you like it. But you can also, besides having the keyword thing where someone writes something and you re- your robot responds to it automatically, you can also have what's called a welcome sequence. So when someone first gets to your page, if you want to be able to get them to certain resources, you can sort of do that. So, for example, my coworking space one, it says, Hey, you know, welcome to our coworking space. Like, just cl- click on the link that best describes you or type in your message and we'll get right back. And so, below that, it says, I, I have a business, I'm starting a business, or just curious. And obviously, I'm going to give someone different information if they're just starting a business versus if they haven't. An... So, like, I, and then if they based on what they pick on, I'm going to give them some information and resources that are tailored to kind of where they're at in the entrepreneurial process exploring the use of my coworking space. So yeah, I think the the chatbots are a really nice tool. And to me, when they're programmed well, it feels like a fun quiz that you take in a magazine where you... Oh, what flavor ice cream am I? And when they're programmed badly, it sounds like a robot doesn't want to talk to you. So you can have a few people obviously test them out after you've written yours and kind of see how it goes. But at the very least, you can program some keyword triggers to answer some of the basic questions, which... Will save your staff time or you time, depending on who's uh, responding. And also, like I said, it, if you look up a Facebook page, it actually says how responsive the page is. It says typically like responds within a day or responds instantaneously. And if you ever wonder how people respond instantaneously, it's not that someone is it's not that someone is poised on the cursor twenty four seven ready to go. It's probably that they have a chatbot, and now you can too.
1: Yeah, that's Another awesome. Secret. Any other tools or strategies like that? Because that's, that's a really great one. And I love the resource there, the, <laughs> the manychat.com I'm going to put that in the show notes. Yeah. What kind of tools or resources would you recommend for people getting started with Facebook and Instagram advertising that you say, you definitely check this out?
0: Yeah. So if you want, you know, I mentioned being repeating posts on Facebook and there's software that allows you to do that. If you think this is a load of baloney and you just want to, and you don't believe what I say, I just challenge you to try this for a month. There is a tool called recurpost.com, like recurring, recurpost.com. And you can have up to a hundred updates that are that can be recycled. And what I typically do is I'll put them in different categories. So for example, like I have a category for all of my blog post links, I have a category for my courses URLs, I have a category of articles that I like about Facebook or whatever. And what you can do is you can say, okay, I want. Recur post, I want you to post a link to one of my old blog posts on Monday morning. You know, and I can specify the time if I want, or I can say the best time for that day. I want you to post blog links on Monday, Wednesday, Friday onto my Facebook page. And once they're all preloaded in there, you're good to go. So they give you 100 for free. Now, I will say when you're ready to pay money, Recur post isn't my favorite paid one, but just use the free version of it to test out my theory my friend didn't believe that this was important. And I, so I scheduled for her company to post four times a day onto her Facebook page using this software. So we wrote her a hundred updates or I think nine, I forget. They might give you 90 updates instead of a hundred. I forget something around that. And I, we just shared four times a day for like a month. I'm like, let's just try it out. And at the end of the month, she was, she couldn't believe it. She was like, we're getting messages. We're getting, she says, I can't believe it. I thought I was going to be bugging people, but it seems like they really like it. They like me. They really like me. So if you want to try it out, the recur post thing is a free way to do that. And I would recommend putting them into categories and not just dumping everything you want to say into like one main category because you might decide like, oh, my blogs seem to be doing well. I want to post these more often. or And you'll be able to adjust that if you put them into categories. But there are lots of paid tools that will let you do this as well. And I only recommend this for Facebook. I don't recommend this for all social media, but you can do stuff like that too.
1: You mentioned four times today. I'm just curious what times generally find yourself posting within. Does it matter? Or was it like no. morning, afternoon, late afternoon, I mean, night, or how do you usually structure that?
0: So like when you look at any Facebook page in the insights, which is where the stats are, you'll see that there are certain times a day where your people are active. So you can kind of go one of two routes. You can either post kind of when they're gonna be online and they're Or you can post at really weird times. So so most people are not online at say one o'clock in the morning. So you can make something post at one o'clock in the morning, and maybe I wake up and I'm going to see it because really nothing else has necessarily come through during that time. I like to experiment a bit. It doesn't. There's not one thing that works for all people. But like what I like about tools like Recur Post is you literally say, "Yeah, use the algorithm and pick the best time." I'm fine with computers doing that for me. And if I want, I can manually schedule some things too. Like I can say, okay, I really want this to post. I really want my lunch specials for my cafe to post at 10.30 a.m. or something so that people see them or something like that. You can do it that way too. But I say experiment. There isn't one thing that works. If there's an article that you find that says like Tuesdays at 2 p.m. is the best time to post something, I don't know, just, I don't know. I'm skeptical of it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all skeptical. And if one thing worked for everybody, we would all do it, right? We would all have figured it out. We'd all do it and then we'd all be lying on a beach somewhere, cheersing each other with our favorite cocktails and letting the money roll in. But
1: or for real, it all changed as soon as everybody started doing the same thing.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. it's a moving target. So yeah, just experiment and you'll figure it out. You'll see some patterns for sure. But I just let it pick the best times. I'm cool, like I said, with a computer doing that sort of thing for me.
1: Yeah, well, this has been a great conversation. I, I know there's so much more we could go with, really just scratch the surface, but I wanted to make sure that our listeners know that you actually have some really great resources on your website and uh, one free and one a special discount just for listeners. I just wanted to give the opportunity to share that with your listeners because I know that you listening to this, you should take advantage. And so I just wanted to go ahead and Aww. share that and give the opportunity to reach out to Nicole.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah. And the other thing too, with with these kinds of things is sometimes it's it's easier to see something. So I know you're, you're listening to this. I know when I listen to podcasts, I'm walking my dog, I'm driving my car or something. And I think, oh, I should have written that down or I wonder what that looks like. So sometimes the visual can be helpful. I did a a series of recordings, which I put on the website, 2020makesomemoney.com. So during this whole COVID thing, I was just feeling really powerless because I was watching my friends having to refigure out their entire business model or even losing their jobs and trying to figure out kind of how to make income. And what I was feeling was a little bit of fatigue with... There was a lot of free courses and like, here's this two-hour course about branding that you can take. And I remember just at the beginning of the whole thing thinking, I can't sit through two hours of anything right now. My brain just isn't there. So what I decided to do was for 20 days, I recorded 20-minute videos. And I set up a, a fake business from scratch going through. And I pretended I didn't use any of my audience or anything. I just was like, all right, I'm setting up this whole... And I called it like one of your French girls. And I pretended I was selling some French products. My main product being a uh, potato pandemic cookbook. My mom and I were quarantining together at the beginning and bought a giant bag of 50 pounds of potatoes and we just made a lot of potato recipes. So anyway, so I just threw together an ebook and made a little payment form. And anyway, so basically I assume people know nothing in that they're starting going through this process. So it's 20 days, it's bite-sized. If you enjoy my little sense of humor and delivery, you'll like that. And like I said, they're pretty short. I include other resources if people want to geek out a little more. And and I, it's screen capture. So it's, so yeah, so the 2020 makes It's a bunch, it's basically 20 minute videos over the course of 20 days where I set up a fake business and I pretend I know nothing. And I pretend if you're watching it that you don't necess- that you don't know anything either, not in, in a, you're stupid way, but in a, you know, we're all starting from the same place kind of way. So that's a good free resource and probably gives you an idea of what it's like to work with me generally. Plus it's fun and a few friends have started businesses or little side things with it. So that, so that was kind of encouraging. And I see that it still gets a lot of traffic. Like you said, I, it was a lower budget project, but it definitely was a, a COVID thing to kind of help people out. So that's fun. And yeah, then, you know, awesome. kind of,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I and say I was looking at that and I, I think it's really cool. And then you've got to, to take it to the next level. You've your, your actual course. And of course mm-hmm. you can't give that away because you, you've put a lot of effort into creating this and, if you're looking to excel on Facebook, I do encourage you to take a look at, at Nicole's Facebook 201 course. I think that's what you're about to say that I just kind of jumped yeah. in there, but yeah, I want to make sure you get that out. Sure.
0: Yeah. You know, and I've got a lot of courses. I, I'm a trained teacher I used and I, I've taught, I've adjuncted at college and I have, I have a strong teaching background and obviously I've been doing this a long time, but I'm also self-taught. So I really understand what people feel like when they're starting off. So my approach to courses is to make it interesting, high energy, not so high energy that you want to kill me or wonder how much coffee I drink, but <laughs> high enough energy that you're going to stay awake and, and get through. And we're going to get through it together. And the Facebook 201 course is really good because what I found was a lot of my friends who've been running their Facebook page for a while, just feel like they get to a point where things kind of plateau off and they don't know what else to do. And I've taken this really intense, this Facebook business manager. I took this super intense course on it about four years ago. And as I started kind of going through stuff with them, they're like, oh, this is stuff I need to know. This is stuff I didn't even know to look for because it's it's such a specific thing. So I called it Facebook 201 because I didn't know what... Because we're all kind of beyond Facebook 101, I think, at this point, if you've had a Facebook page for a while anyway. And we all get to that point where we're in a little bit of a slump and maybe we need some, some tools or some kind of like to, to understand what other options are available to us now that we've gotten the whole... Okay, we know how to post content. We know how to be interesting. We know how to talk about our products. Like now that we're leveling off, where else is there to go? So that's why I called it 201 because you know it's a class to take after 101. I probably could name it something more fun, but <laughs> but yeah. But that's on the site. And what I tell people to do is, if you like the courses in general, our co-working space has this course and other courses as part of our virtual membership. So you can you can either buy the course this course outright with the code, or you can just join our uh, virtual co-working space for nineteen dollars a month and get access to this and that Facebook course and other courses I've done. Like how to host a virtual event in Zoom and other things like that that I think are useful for business owners that I've given, but also our guest presenters have given as well. So, so yeah, those are some places, and we'll have a, we'll have some fun uh, little promo codes here, solopreneur, to give you uh, for the Facebook course to give you guys a little bit of a deal there because yeah, I can awesome. tell you're,
1: I can tell you're cool already. So yeah, thanks, you, Nicole, yeah. and uh, I'm sure this was <laughs> appreciate that. So if you're wondering that it is, it'll be in the show notes, and of course, as always, I'll put the link to the show notes and the outro so we'll know exactly what episode this comes out on. But look for that it's Solopreneur Code special just for you as a listener. And just for Nicole, you. thank you so much for being here for us. This no, thank you. This awesome conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me. This is my first ever podcast interview, so I'm very excited.
1: Oh, you did fantastic. It shows the future in you. You've done a great job.
0: Oh, thanks. I used to have a podcast myself, so I know how tough it is to do it. So, so thanks for doing the good work, Steve, for us, for us podcasters who fall into the wayside. You're keeping going. <laughs> thanks, Nicole. All right, have a good day.
2: Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live, online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs.
1: It's Steve Combs again. You can download the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com. Forward slash zero four nine. I'll include links to the great resources Nicole mentioned on that page. And as Nicole mentioned during our conversation together, she has made special discounts and a completely free course available to you today just for listening. Head over to the show notes page to grab that special discount code, as well as find Nicole's free course on making more money in the next 20 days. Again, you'll find it all on this episode's show notes page at Coach com forward slash zero four nine. Thank you for listening.